0: That's all. Brother Steve, will you pray before Aaron comes? brother Steve, and children can be dismissed for uh, Children's Church, and uh, I hope you've come expecting a, a blessing from the Lord today, and you had a good week, and that God has uh, been good to you, and uh, I did forget to mention in the announcements that uh, in a couple weeks, Wednesday nights, we're going to start a study called Experiencing God, uh, that is a wonderful 13-week study, and uh, there's a a workbook that kind of goes along with it that you don't necessarily need, but it will help you and kind of deepen your uh, experience of experiencing God. So I encourage you to pick one of those up, and uh, Leslie will be out in the front or back, depending on your perspective. She'll be out there, and you can pick one up from her. and so we're going to be starting that, um, not this coming Wednesday, but the following uh, Wednesdays. So, uh, plenty of time to pick that up. If you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And uh, wonder, um yeah, you know, there's some things it's hard to cover up. Now, probably no one in here ever did something like that when you you were young uh, and your parents said, clean your room. Now, To a child, a child's idea of clean and a parent's idea of clean, two very different ideas of clean. And uh, some children will say, well, I'm going to trick mom. I'm going to trick dad. Well, let me give you a clue. If, if you've tried that, you've found, guess what? Mom and dad can't be tricked. Normally what we would do is, you know, shove stuff underneath the bed uh, and then put the blanket, you know, down over there or, you know, uh, we'd have dust ruffles on our bed. You know, some of you girls had dust ruffles around your bed. And so shove stuff under there or you'd open your closet and you'd stuff everything, you know, in the closet. And uh, you say, it's clean. There's nothing on the floor. There's nothing out. And see, mom and dad, and the only reason they knew is because they did it when they were growing up. Uh, And so, uh, but you can't, uh, you know, so you can't get away with things, uh, you know, and hide things, even though we try to hide things. We try to hide things from other people. We try to hide things from God, but guess what? Sometimes you get away with hiding stuff from people, but you can never hide things from God. Because God sees everything. And even though he sees everything, he loves you. And he loves you so much that he came and gave his life for you so that you could have everlasting life, so that you could have new life. And that's what Paul wants to remind us uh, as God's people that we are changed because of what Jesus did for us. And that change is reflected in how we live our life. So if you're going to be a Christian, you can't cover it up. People are going to know. And so let's take a... a, We're not going to read the the whole chapter, um, but we're going to start in verse 16 of chapter 15. Uh, And I want us to see uh, three things uh, here about uh, not trying to cover up things, but to display it. And listen, what do you display at your house? We were walking your house. What's on display? Well, chances are pretty good. Uh, Some of you, I've been to your house. Some of you, I haven't. But even those that I haven't been to your house, here's a pretty good idea of what's in your house on display. There's probably some pictures of your children. And if you have grandchildren, there's tons of pictures of those grandchildren. And in fact, maybe even some of those pictures of grandchildren are covering up pictures of your children. Um, but there, So that's probably on display at your house. Maybe you have a Bible uh, somewhere in your house where people can see it. Maybe you've got some artwork. Uh, things that you display in your house are things that you're proud of, aren't they? And things that you want people to notice. Uh, you know, maybe there's some scripture hanging up uh, on some of the walls in your house. Or cross. Th- those are all great things. That, uh, And so Paul is saying, listen, the things that uh, what God has done in our life and who we belong to shouldn't be covered up and put in the closet or hidden underneath the bed. They should be displayed. Uh, Max Licato made an interesting comment in the book. He said that, You know what, Uh, if uh, God doesn't have grandchildren, but if he did, your picture would be on his refrigerator. Because God loves you. And you are, in fact, Scripture says, Paul says, we are God's workmanship, we're his masterpieces. Now, sometimes we don't feel like masterpieces, do we? But here's the thing, and this is how God's glory and God's grace works. Left to our own devices, our life and who we are is something we want to cover up and hide because it's broken and it's ugly and it's, you know, misshapen. But this is what God does. He takes all of our mess and He takes all of our broken pieces and He puts it together and makes it a beautiful master. And the masterpiece that God has made, and Paul wants us to understand that we're not to be embarrassed because we belong to God, and not be embarrassed because God has made a difference and changed our life, but rather we should put it on display. And so there's some things we're going to talk about displaying, and the first thing is this, that we need as God's people, Paul says, to display God's power. God's power should be evident in your life. And in verses 16 through 22, uh, Paul talks about that. Uh, He's addressing a theological error in the church where some people were saying the resurrection didn't happen. There's no such thing as a resurrection. And Paul says, oh, buddy, you are wrong. And how you're wrong. And so let's take a look at these uh, seven verses. It says, for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sin. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. And so Paul's reminding them that, listen, God's power is what should be evident in your life. If the only thing that we had to live for is here, we're in trouble. And if there's no such thing as a resurrection, Christ didn't raise again. Now, Christ's death on the cross is important because it was his shedding of his innocent blood that paid my sin debt and paid your sin debt and paid the sin debt of all the whosoever's in the world. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the great news of the gospel. And it was made possible because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And the reason why the resurrection is so important is because it was the power of God that took something that was dead and made it alive again. You see, it wasn't just that Jesus died and paid our sin. In our world, things that are dead tend to stay dead. Some of you have black thumbs. That's the opposite of green thumbs. People give you plants when they want the plants to die. Uh, And some of you have, you know, the cactuses are supposed to be impossible to kill. Some of you have killed a lot of them. (laughs) And uh, so we have black thumbs and, uh, you know, we... Try as you might, if a plant's dead, you can put a gallon of miracle Grow on that puppy. It ain't coming back. It's dead. But the power of God can overcome death. And in fact, has. And so Paul says and reminds us of this important truth that Jesus said. He said, listen, uh, it is through... Uh, dying to ourselves and our old sinful carnal nature dying and being made alive in Christ that we have any hope but if Christ didn't raise from the dead listen we are of all people most pitiable. in other words you know, we're in a world of hurt but Paul says listen this is the truth Jesus did die and Jesus did come back from the dead and today is alive and well and sitting at the right hand of God the Father. And in fact, uh, Scripture tells us that he's making intercession uh, for you and me. That he's being our advocate. That he, In fact, Paul says in Colossians that Christ is holding all things in this world together. And so he's busy working Uh, God's power is nowhere more evident than in a changed life. And if you are a child of God, and if your sins are forgiven, it ought to be evident. That's God's power in your life. You've experienced that new life that comes by God's power working in your life, and it's evident to everyone around you. So that you don't have to wonder. I wonder if that person is a Christian. The reality is this: if you have to wonder if somebody's a Christian, chances are pretty good they're not. Because if you are a child of God and God has changed your life, it is evident. Just like uh, it is evident. If, if any of you've uh, been around a drunk person, it is very evident that they're drunk. They'll deny they're drunk, but it's very evident that they are. Uh, Policemen don't have a hard time telling if somebody's drunk or not. They tell pretty easily if they're if they're on something. And Paul says, you know what? The change in you as a child of God should be that evident. Not that you're made holy and perfect overnight. You're not. You're saved in a moment. The moment you trust Jesus, you're saved, and you're as saved as you're ever going to be. But God begins a process of working to change that brokenness and that dirtiness, that sinfulness. He washes it away and makes you brand new. And that's evident. And what's evident is when people see that and they see that change, they can say, hey, listen, something's different about him. There's something different about her. And they may begin to even ask and say, hey, what on earth has happened to you? And God opens up a door when people ask that question and say, well, listen, I met this man named Jesus. Jesus. And he took me just as I was, and he loved me, and he changed me and gave me new life. And so I'm not what I used to be anymore. There is no greater witness to this world than your transformed life. And so Paul says, but remember that it wasn't you that transformed your life. It was Christ that transformed your life and Christ's power working in you. Paul says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It is God's power working in your life that God says, don't hide it. In fact, The opposite, God says, you display it, you let everybody see it. And in fact, he says, let everybody see it, not so that they lift you up. What does he say? He said, let your good works shine before men so they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Because people that knew what a rotten scoundrel you were before you met Christ now see something different in you. And people can argue theology and they can argue about the Bible and whether it's true or whether it's not. But nobody can argue with your experience. Nobody can argue when you say, you know what, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was lame, but now I can walk. Can't argue with that. And so Paul says, you make sure God's power is on display in your life. Now, that doesn't mean you go out and sin so that you can get forgiveness. That's not what God intends for us, and that's not what Paul's saying. But Paul is saying, listen, you live such a changed, radically different life that people wonder what on earth happened to you. And again, this side of heaven, we're not going to do that perfectly, and there's constantly times when we have to come to God and say, God, forgive me, for I've sinned. And here's the truth and the wonder and the power of the gospel, is that no matter how many times we have to come and ask for God's forgiveness, He will give it every single time. Can I tell you, that is a display of God's power. If you do something to me, and you hurt me or you hurt my family? I might forgive you once. But you do it again, you ain't getting forgiveness. But God says, when one of his disciples came to Jesus, he said, how often do I have to forgive, you know, John? If, he, if John sins against me, do I have to give him seven times? You remember what Jesus said? Not seven times, not even seven times seven, but 70 times seven. In other words, the point is not counting times of sin, but Jesus was trying to make a point every time somebody asks you forgiveness, you forgive them. Because that's what God does for us. And Paul issues that same admonition in the book of Colossians where he said, Just as Christ forgave you, you forgive others. And that's hard to do. But it's necessary for us to do it. And the only way we can do it is by God's power. And so when we've done wrong for somebody, and we go and we ask them to forgive us, and they forget, it's it's evidence of God's love and God's grace working in that relationship. God's power should be on display in our life. That leads me to the second thing that should be displayed. Not only should we display God's power, but that we need to display God's people. And I want to call your attention to verses 33 and 34, just down a little bit. Paul writes these words. He said, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some of you do not have the knowledge of God. And I speak this to your shame. Paul goes through and in this chapter, he writes a lot about how we're different. and How our standing with God is different because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that power that's working in our life through the person of the Holy Spirit. But Paul wants us to understand that if God's changed your life and that's evident in your life and you're displaying God's power, that just doesn't happen on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. It should certainly happen then, but if it's the only time it happens, it's not real. It should also be on display because we are God's people 24-7. I didn't know this until a little while, just fairly recently, that policemen are technically on duty 24 hours a day. In other words, they're on their shift for 12 hours, whatever shift that they happen to be on. But when their shift ends... And they take their uniform off, there's still obligations that they have, and there's an oath that they've taken of, of office that they're still bound to live by. And even when they're off duty, they can arrest you, so don't, you know, do bad in front of them. And when they see somebody in, in need, they can't say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm off the clock. Uh, <laughs> let, me, let me call somebody for you. They can't do that. When they, it might be three hours after their shift and they come across somebody maybe having a heart attack. They oh, sorry, buddy, I'm off the clock. Uh, good luck to you. But they are peace officers, they're police officers, all the time. Now, they're not working in that capacity all the time, but they are that all the time. And they have certain responsibilities that they have to live by all the time. Well, guess what? It's just not police officers that have that responsibility. But God says, if you're one of my children, you better behave like it all the time, not just on Sunday morning. You better be just as much my child on Sunday morning as you are on Friday night at the football game or Saturday afternoon at the football game. In other words, we need to be a child of God all the time. And people need to see that. It should Your life should be different, and the things that you do should be different because of the change that God has made in your life and because you are a child of God. Now, are you a child of God only when you do right? No, just like you're not only a child of your parents when you do right. When somebody's your kid, they're yours even when they've done the dumbest, stupidest things, I mean, things that you just are absolutely blown away by. They're still your kid. And you still love them. You want to bop them upside the head even when they're 40 years old and know better. Uh, You know, they're still your kid and they still need mom and dad sometimes saying, listen, you numbskull, what are you doing? Quit being such an idiot. And so God wants to remind us that we're his even when we're not as close to him as we should be. That even when we've wandered away from him, in fact, John says it this way in 1 John one nine. he says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. And so Paul wants us to understand as we think about the power of the resurrection working in our life that it should be evident again that we're a child of God. We shouldn't be embarrassed by it. We shouldn't want to try to keep it secret. We should be proud of saying, you know what? God has made a difference. And you know what? I'm not perfect, but praise God, I'm not what I used to be. And God's, got, God's still working on me like that little children song that sometimes you probably used to sing in Sunday school or at church camp, God's still working on me. Y'all have ever sung that song before? remember that God is still working on you. And by the way, people need to see that. There's people around you, even in church. Your brothers and sisters in Christ and those that don't know Jesus yet need to see that you're still being worked on by God. You haven't got it all figured out yet. Because that's an encouragement to us to say, listen, if the preacher hadn't got it all put together, and I'll be the first to tell you, and if you doubt it, ask Leslie, she'll let you know quick. The preacher doesn't have it all together. And I'm, God's still working on me. And you know what, that should be an encouragement to us. That listen, yeah, God's still working on, he's still got some rough spots, but God still claims and God still loves him. And God hadn't given up on him. And here's the thing God will never give up on us, even when we've given up on ourselves. God still says, Listen, you're my child. Come back to me. It's like in the Old Testament, David, after he sinned uh, with Bathsheba and committed murder, in Psalm 51, writes a beautiful psalm of repentance. And you remember he says there, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. He said, God, forgive me, you know, wipe, wipe me clean, and make me new again. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Understanding that the fact that David was a child of God was not based on what David did or didn't do. It was based on what God did. Do we have a part to play in salvation? We do. We have to accept that. The Bible says that the gospel is made available to everyone in Jesus Christ's death on the cross of Calvary and the power of his resurrection was sufficient for all. For everyone. Everybody, including you. And including me. Everyone. But that doesn't mean that everyone receives that gift, because there's a lot of people that refuse to accept that gift. But if you've accepted it, this is what God's Word says, is that you've become a child of God. And that's a title you wear 24-7. And you can't take it off. can't say, well, I don't really feel like being a Christian today. I think I'm going to go live for the devil today and I'll pick it back up tomorrow. It doesn't work that way. We're either all his or we're none of his. And so Paul says, listen, we need to make sure that our life, the people that we hang around are pursuing God as well. Good company destroys bad company rather destroys good living. And so Paul says, make sure that it's evident that you are a child of God. Not only in the things that you do, but in the company that you keep. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have friends that are lost. In fact, you should have some friends that are lost. And there's probably several of us that need to pray that God would help us to be friends with more lost people. Because as we walk with the Lord, more and more of our friends and people that we hang around tend to be Christians. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but where it becomes bad is that when all of the people that we hang out and all the people that we know are Christians. Because if everybody we know is a Christian, who are we telling the gospel to? And so there's probably a lot of us that need to pray and ask the Lord to help us to be friends. And to build relationships with those that are lost. And to be with those folks and to share with them the love of God and how God can transform them just like he transformed us. But remember that you belong to God 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And then lastly this morning, not only do we need to display God's power and be a display of God's people, but we need to display God's purpose. Drop down with me to the last three verses, verses 56 through 58 uh, of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is the way it says, The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory, that through our Lord Jesus Christ, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And so Paul's wrapping up this uh, sermon, trying to Get the church at Corinth to realize that God has changed their life if they're a believer, and that changes who they are, and it changes how they behave, it changes everything about their life. And He says, You need to understand and you need to remember that God does all of those things for you, not for your benefit. He does it for His glory. Now, do you get benefit out of it? Yeah, you do. But that's not why God does it. And the glory that we get is not our glory. It's God's glory. And the changes that we make, it's not our changes. It's God's changes. Do we have a part to play in that? Absolutely we do. God gives us the ability to make choices every day. We make the choice every day whether we're going to live for Him or whether we're not. God gives us that choice and the ability. But Paul reminds us, and said, listen, God's purpose in your life is to make you fully His. To take the brokenness and all the mess and all the stuff that sin has done uh, to you and to your life and make it into something new and something beautiful, something good. That's what God's purpose is, is that you would be made, transformed into the image of Christ. God's purpose for your life is to be made into the image of Christ. And that's true for every single one of us. Now, how God does that and the journey that we take to that process is different for all of us. But the purpose... The end destination is the same for all of us. And it's a journey that God gives us other believers. That's why being a part of a local church is so important, is because we can't take that journey alone. And we can't reach our full redemptive potential that God created for us alone. We need other brothers and sisters walking with us to help us. And we need the Holy Spirit living inside of us and guiding and directing us. So understand that the sting and the sentence of death that was brought by sin in your life is no more. It's gone away if you're in Christ. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, he says, There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So in other words, sin sentences you to death, and you're condemned. You have the death penalty hanging over your your neck just being human. Because that's a disease that affects every single human being. But the power of God's resurrection takes that bondage and that... uh, Curse and the power that sin has in this world and he breaks it. And so you are no longer under condemnation, but you have life. And so Paul early in some verses that we didn't read he said, you know, he talks about a seed, and you know, a seed can't produce what it's supposed to until it dies. And once that seed stops being a seed, it dies. Guess what happens? It grows into whatever plant that seed is of. And that just doesn't produce one more seed, does it? Those plants that are seeded plants, when that, you know, whatever it is pops out of the ground, a cucumber or squash, when you cut it open, guess what's inside? a whole bunch of seeds. But it came from just one seed. And so Paul says, that is how God works in your life. When you're willing to say, God, I want this curse of sin to die. And I know Jesus is the one that can do that. And I want him to come into my life and I accept the gift of his atoning death on the cross of Calvary, God works that process of spiritual renewal in us. And we produce fruit. And guess what? The more fruit you produce as a child of God, the more fruit you produce. And the more fruit you produce. And the more fruit you produce. That is what a healthy Child of God is supposed to do. Unfortunately, what happens so often is we produce a fruit. It's so, okay, I produced fruit, that's enough, I'm good. And we go on living our life like nothing has changed and nothing else has happened. But that's not the way God's economy works. When God begins to make a change in you, that change continues until you get to eternity, until this life ends and the next one begins. So that you are supposed to continually be be reproducing fruit of righteousness and fruit of Christlikeness, that Christ is supposed to become even more and more and more and more evident in your life as you walk with Him. so that we can never stop growing in our walk with Christ. Because as long as you're above dirt, God's not done with you yet. There's still things for you to do for God, and there's still things that God wants to show you and teach you. Because if you were done, you wouldn't be here. You'd be up there with him. And so as you're left, it's for, because of those two reasons, that there's still work that God has planned for you to do, And there's things that God wants to show you. And there's things that God needs to continue to work out in your life. Because you're not quite looking like Jesus just yet. And praise God, Scripture reminds us we never fully arrive to be looking just like Jesus until we stand in front of Him. When we get that new glorified body that Scripture talks about, then we'll be just like that's what God's will and God's purpose for your life is, is that you would be made into the image of Jesus Christ. And God wants to work that. And the only way it can happen is through his power and through you being his people every day of every week, of every month, of every year. To remember that you are his. so what does God want us to do with this message? What did God say to us? He said, you put it on display. You quit being ashamed of what God has done in your life. And you know what? God says, listen, yeah, you once were this, but you're not that anymore. Now you're this. And so you don't focus. Satan wants us to focus on what we used to be. And all our failures. That's what Satan would love for all of us to put our focus on. Is what we used to be. But when what we used to be is under the blood of Jesus, God sees us as what he created us to be. And what our full redemptive potential is. And so when Satan comes reminding us about our past, we remind him about his future. And we remind him that God has set us free. That we are no longer bound and unable to fight against the wiles of the devil. The sting of death, it is no more. Not because of what I've done or what you've done or what you can do or what I can do, but because of what Jesus Christ has done. On the cross of Calvary, and in that empty tomb when he rose again on the third day. And I hope that's changed your life. If it hasn't changed your life, then I invite you to come and receive that great gift and promise from this moment forward, your life will change. But if you're here today you say, you know what, preacher, I'm saved, and I know that, and I know that if I were to stand before God, that I'd spend eternity with him because of the decision that I've made in trusting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior then God says to you, you put that on display. And you let everybody know that I've made a difference in your life, and don't you be bashful about it. So often, God gives us opportunity to witness to folks, and we keep our mouths shut, say, oh, I don't want to offend anybody. Now, I'm not telling you to go out and offend people just for the sake of offending them, but understand this, that the gospel is going to offend folks that are lost. And they need to be offended. But you offend them in love and you offend them for the right reason. And do it in love. Probably a sign that says turn or burn is not the most effective way of of accomplishing that message. But loving them and saying, you know what, God loves you, I love you. You know what? I was once walking a path away from God, but God came into my life and he changed me and he made me new. And I'm not, I'm not there yet, but I'm on the way because of what God has done in my life. And if God can do it in my life, he can do it in your life too. There is nobody that is beyond the grace and power of God to bring transformation. Transformation. And you're evident of that. You're evidence of that. If God can save you, and if God can, you know all the messes you've made. You know all the times that you've disappointed God, and yet God says, I forgive you, I love you, and you're my child. So if you're a child of God, you know God's forgiveness. But God doesn't just forgive you. He didn't die just for you. He died for everybody. And so don't cover that up. Display it. And let God use you. to not just transform you, but to transform this world. Let's pray God. Lord, we love you. Thank you that you love us despite ourselves. And we thank you, Lord, that you receive us just as we are. But you will not leave us like you find us. You will change us. And Lord, as we talked about the power of the resurrection this morning, our prayers, churches, that power of the resurrection would be evident in our life. That it would be on display. The fact that we are your child would be on display for the world to see. That we wouldn't be bashful about it. Lord, we understand that you're working and the purpose of our life is to be made into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, help us to cooperate with that process. Help us to remember that Jesus paid it all. And because he paid it all, all to him I owe. Lord, if there's one here today that doesn't know you, would you help them today to receive that free gift of salvation? Help them to call out to you to acknowledge their sinfulness and their need for you. And help them to accept the gift that you gave on the cross of Calvary and the shedding of your innocent, perfect blood to pay their sin debt and my sin debt and the sin debt of all the world. And Lord, help them to confess you as Lord and Savior. Lord, help us to always remember we are your people and that we need to display that proudly. And we need to live a life that honors you and brings honor to you, that reflects the fact that we're your children. Lord, speak to our hearts, help us to be your hands and feet, we pray in Jesus' name. Let's stand together this old hymn, Jesus